testing and testing. Well, I think we got the audio fixed on the computer now. Um, for those of you jumping on on TikTok, if you have any questions on floor plans, home designs, builders, yo, yo, what's up, TikTok? Hey, thanks for jumping on. Um, if you have any questions on any of that home building process, floor plans, I draw floor plans every single day. If you want to talk AutoCAD, Revit, SketchUp, anything like that, hit me up in the questions. I would love to reach out to you. First thing I wanted to mention, this is very exciting for me, and I'm doing this more as um, just something fun and exciting in my life and, and less of, um, I don't know, I don't have giant business goals with this, but I am starting to sell some digital products on my website. So if you click the link in my bio, you can find them. The first one I'm selling is a room layout guide. So um, I took a bunch of rooms that I have used in some plans that I really, really love, and then went through the, the, the process to dimension out those spaces and then add a bunch of notes of why I designed those rooms that way. Um, and the goal with this document is, is dual purpose. One, for people that want to draw their own floor plan and want to get it pretty close, you know, and, and really dial in those spaces, this is going to be extremely helpful for you to know, um, where things go, what a design professional looks at, um, and what I think through the process. So there's one. And then two, if you are an architect, a drafter, somebody starting out in the industry and you just need that framework of like, I, I have this client, they want to add a powder room. How big is a powder room? Typically, I've got all that stuff in there for you. So um, again, hit the link in my bio, check that out. All right, let's get into some nitty gritties that I've seen questions over the week. And again, if you're jumping on live and you have a question, um, don't be shy. Please hit me up. I would love to answer those for you. I'm actually going to switch here, put on some AirPods so you can hear me a little better. Hopefully that works. I think we got it here. So TikTokers, don't be shy. Um, a question I got or something I hear often of soil borings. You need soil borings for your lot. What's going on there? Um, so a lot of states have requirements. So if a, a developer develops a subdivision, um, a lot of states have requirements that the developer is required to sell you a um, buildable lot. And part of that means that they need to have a soil boring on that lot that shows that the lot has suitable soils. Um, if you're buying raw land, it probably doesn't have this. Um, and with raw land, you might need two separate types of soil borings. Um, so there's, um, structural borings and borings specifically for septic sometimes, um, you know, and, uh, a perk test would cover this as well, but a septic boring only goes down a few feet and they're looking for, um, if there's any seasonal water table, what the, the, soil types are that you're putting the septic field on, um, things like that. A structural soil boring will go down, uh, I could go down 40, 80 feet. They're really looking to get down to solve the whole picture, make sure there's not a pocket of organic soils hiding in there so that causes you something that causes you a sinkhole, something like that. Um, for types of soils, um, 
actually, one of the, the best types of soils you can build on, believe it or not, is sand. Um, so a sandy type of soil, if it's um, supported around your home correctly, like if it's not falling off the site, but um, supported and compacted, can be really great because sand doesn't really compress like the other soil types do. And it drains really, really quickly. Um, so sand is a great soil type. Um, when you get into things like silts and clays, they actually hold a little bit more moisture. And when they get that moisture, sometimes they move. Um, so a from going to get really nerdy with you for a second. From a microscopic level, a clay um, is actually a bunch of like small plates. So if you can imagine you're doing the dishes, you got your drying rack next to the dish, the next to the sink, right? All the dishes there are wet and they're perfectly stacked. And if nothing moves, nothing's going on. But if you add an additional load or just throw something on there, it's a chaotic mess and dishes are everywhere um, and things like that. So that's what happens in this, um, in the cycle with soils like clays as they're getting wet and drying. Um, the, the platelets all move and shift around each other. So it can be devastating from a structural standpoint, but this is why most, um, why the code has a minimum frost depth so that the footings of your home are below where the frost would hit. And so the frost is driving moisture into the ground, right? And if your footing is below that, the soil below that isn't, um, absorbing water in the same rate. And then that freeze thaw cycle isn't moving the, the soil around because your footing is below it. So something to think about, I have built homes on clay. Um, it's typically fine, but that's something to, um, definitely check with your builder, check with an engineer. Like if you have any questions on it, just yes, <laughs> the answer is consult a local professional on that. Um, I had another question and posted a video about this recently. Um, that's what about structural for residential homes? So who designs the structural engineering of these things? And the interesting thing is the answer for, I don't know the exact percentage, somewhere between 70, 90% of the homes in the United States is the code does. So the code is like a, it's almost a do-it-yourself guide. Like it, it's an instruction manual for how to build a house, interestingly enough. Um, so it'll tell you joy spacing, joy sizing, header sizing, um, what you need for walls, what you need for rafters. Like this is all in the code book. Um, so it depends on the state, but most states don't require um, any structural engineering to be done because they're reverting back to the code. So in the, the code doesn't cover every example though. So in those times when spans get really big or the layout gets unique, um, then you are having to pull in either an architect or engineer to stamp design, um, something specific to get that done for you. Got a question from Mac new here. What do you do for a living? I am a residential building designer. So I run my own design firm. Um, and then I also podcast on the side, do a bunch of fun stuff like that. Um, I worked with 
home builders as a lead designer for a long time as well. Um, so I've been in lots of meetings of the, the ins and outs of what a builder is thinking and feeling um, through that front end process. So game on TikTok says, were you always a draftsman or did you do some construction? Great question. Um, so most of my career I've done drafting. Yes. Um, drafting and design. And then for one summer I worked as a trim carpenter, um, in Colorado of all places, Vail, Colorado. So I got to work in some really sweet homes. Um, didn't really know what I was doing as a lot of base and casing, but it was, it was fun. Um, when I was a, a high schooler, teenager, I was a gopher on a framing crew a lot of times. So, but it wasn't anything more than moving stacks of lumber around, um, and getting tools for people up on ladders and things like that. So not crazy, exciting field experience, but that's what I've done. Is there a difference between a home designer and an architect? Yes, that is a great question. Um, something that gets talked about often. So the biggest difference is, um, licensure. So an architect is a licensed professional, um, that has gone through some form of specific degree for this. They've done, um, some, I don't, they don't call it, uh, mentorship. I forget what the exact word is, but they've done study under a licensed architect and then they've passed licensing exams to become a licensed architect. Um, so a home designer, um, yeah, there's a, as far as building designers go, um, most states will allow just about anybody to design a residential building. Um, but that gets back to what I was mentioning earlier. So the code is the thing that enforces that. And as long as you're, you're staying within those parameters, you're usually okay. Um, I did get a degree in civil engineering, which um, relates somewhat. We talked a lot about structures and wood design and steel and concrete and all that, but um, it doesn't relay relate exactly. I haven't done too much engineering. Um, well, I haven't done any engineering in my career, but yeah. All right. Another video I posted recently that I get so many questions about um, and that I just see a lot of confusion about in the industry is surveys. Um, so there's a bunch of surveys through the building process and they're all called surveys. Um, and it's, it's really confusing for people. Um, so for when you're buying a piece of property, you'll want a survey that shows the um, boundary lines, how long they are, and then the, any easements on the property. That could be extremely helpful to know where the easements are. But that's not enough to really get you into construction. Um, so if you're on acreage, you will need a topographic survey as well. And that topographic survey um, will show the area both that you want to build for the home um, as well as for the septic field. So septic design is completely contingent on the topography of the land. Um, so you will need a detailed topographic survey of that area to confirm that you can fit and design a septic field in that space. Um, and then it's 
extremely helpful. Not every area requires this, but it's extremely helpful to have topography around um, the site where you're going to build to know what elevation you want to set your garage at. Um, the lookout and walkout, you know, those aspects of the site, things like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what you'll need for like step 1.5. And then most of them will have a, like a construction survey, which shows, so this is the document that a builder will go to permit with. It'll show the outline of your proposed home on the site. It'll show where they put the offset stakes. Um, so there's physical wood stakes they put on the site to show the foundation contractor where to build. So that survey should show those. Um, it should show specific elevation points. So what the final grade around the home should be, um, what your finished floor elevation, what your basement floor elevation. It should show those types of details. And then through the construction process, you have more surveys called an as-built survey. So your town might require a um, as-built foundation survey, uh, might require a as built final grade, things like that. So number of surveys, just pay attention to that as you're going through the building process. Question here, do you draw wall sections? Yes, I do. Um, so wall sections can be a lot of things. I actually will defer to my builders a lot on um, specific construction details because they all like to do um, things a little bit different and they're really knowledgeable about that stuff like they know more about flashing a window than i do um so the wall sections i have don't have like a ton of those specific details on it um it's more for the framer to visualize the interior space and everything there are some jobs i do that get really dialed in with wall sections and things like that it just depends on the project um and yeah anything like that um wall sections are challenging for me so that's i don't know what software you're using but wall sections being challenging um can be an interesting one so my kid just got home from the bus and they're gonna run through this room and it's probably gonna be noisy oh they heard me and they went the other way nice that's a bullet um wall sections if you're using a <laughs> Sorry. If you're using a program like Chief Architect or Revit, it can be extremely helpful. Even if you just um, download the trial, just to cut some sections and look at them um, can really help you start to visualize how um, that building is going through. I think you're, I assume you're talking about whole building sections and not like specific wall, wall cuts, which can be a little different, but um yeah, got another question here. Do you make all the blueprints or just lay out an elevation? So I do both. Um, the term blueprints isn't used as much anymore. Most people will say construction documents or CDs um, because we don't print on blue paper anymore. Um, although those blueprints do look sweet. Um, so if you have any old sets, save them because then, you know, if you have like your old floor plan and it's in blueprints, you could probably frame that or it might be worth something someday. You never know. I would. Um, let's see here. Did I have anything else to say about surveys? No, I don't think I did. Other than circling back to surveys, um, one thing being make sure that to get a surveyor, local surveyor or civil engineer should be able to point you in the right direction. Um, again, I'm always saying this. This is why I'm a fan of 
picking a builder early because they're going to know exactly what surveys you need to pull to get your job done. Um, uh, another great place to look is just look on your residential Google your town or county, you know, whatever jurisdiction you're in, Google that and then put in um, my town building permit application. And most towns, their building permit application has a checklist. Um, so it'll tell you what type of survey you need on that checklist. Um, that can be a great start to get you in the right direction. Um, that checklist is extreme. Like that's the first thing you should do before building or anything. Um, another thing I wanted to address, got a question over the week is the location of the mechanical chase. So how big does it need to be? How do I, how do I find out how big it needs to be? Um, what are the, or excuse me, what are the best spots for it? Um, so for a mechanical chase, really the first thing you want to know is what structural system you're using. So if it's a floor truss and roof trusses, those are extremely easy to work with. There's just so much space in them. Um, you have a lot more flexibility in a system like that. Then you go to like a, something, a mid tier, like a TJI. Um, so that's an engineered truss. So it's usually got a two by on the top and bottom cord. And then, um, something that looks like, um, you know, particle board in, in between as the webbing. Um, and a lot of that webbing can be cut out and you can sometimes put, um, HVAC runs in that space. And then the most restrictive would be like conventional lumber. So two by tens, two by twelves, um, typically by code, those can't be cut. They can be cut some, but not enough for air ducting to go through. So if you're designing on that system, everything will need to be dropped below it in order to, um, you know, bridge the gap between floor joists. If, if the air is running perpendicular to your floor system. Um, so knowing what floor system you have is the very first step. And then from there, like I'll talk about the most restrictive being two buys. So the, the two by 10, two by 12s, um, from there, you really want the, the furnace sitting at the the cleanest spot that can have the longest run perpendicular to those floor joists. So your main trunk will usually go below the floor joists so that that runs perpendicular to the floor joists. And then everything that runs parallel to the floor joists can sneak up into that floor cavity um, and go up that way. Um, and so you want your furnace in a nice central location, not buried behind the stairs and a super long run, like left to right, typically across the house. So that's where you're putting your furnace and your mechanical chase. You want to be right off that. Um, and here's a great tip is just call HVAC contractors. Hey, what do you need to get? Um, I have a 2,400 two foot, 2,400 square foot, two story. Like what do you need to get air upstairs and down? Um, and most of them will probably know off the top of your head. Like, Hey, I need two 12 inch rounds. Um, and then, you know, you have one inch, um, by fire code, you need one in spacing between all that. So you can just draw that in your, your plan and make sure you're safe. Typically that ends up being like a 24 by 30 in a lot of my homes. Um, there's a lot of ways you can play with that and you can talk to your HVAC contractor about, um, different ducting, you know, like, um, rectangular ducting can be in a lot different size and shape, obviously than a round duct can. Um, so yeah, just really dig into that. And then with the, 
Um, mechanical chase, no, if you're going all the way into the attic or just up to that second floor. So with like floor trusses, because everything is so open, you only need to puncture the mechanical chase through one floor. So once it gets to the main floor ceiling or the second floor floor, all the ducting can be in that space and you don't need to go into the attic. Um, so really nice system, really simple and clean. Um, I like that a lot for that person purpose. Do you use Revit or only AutoCAD? So I've dabbled with some in Revit working on some projects and minor edits in it. Um, I'd love to do more. I just don't have the time. Like, I feel like I never have the time to switch over. Um, so yeah, I do most of my stuff in AutoCAD. Um, AutoCAD Lite, I don't, I've used the super architecture version and I don't know, <laughs> know that you need it. Um, I think it's a little, little, little bit faster, but Maybe not. I don't know. Um, how might you plan a spiral slide from the first floor to the basement? Um, this is something. So anytime you're in this space where you've seen it somewhere, but you know it's not in most homes, I would call your inspector. Get a good relationship with them. Um, whether that's the... Um, you know, the, the person that's going to be doing your framing and final inspection, just say, Hey, this is, this is what we want to do. What are your thoughts on that? How do we, how do we do this safely? How do we get it approved? Um, because yeah, this is something you never want to design and be like, well, actually because of X, Y, and Z code reason, um, you know, it, it doesn't work it doesn't work out. So just make sure you have that covered before you even go down that path. Some might say, you know, like, it's something you can do. Yeah. Um, but you need to do X, Y, and Z through the process and, and all that, but to have a good relationship with them is goes a long, long way. And, um, I would start there. And then, um, if you're asking like from a floor plan perspective, um, yeah, you'll need a lot of area for something like that. So you'll need like a two story space or, you know, some sort of place to do it. Um, it'd take a lot of planning and kind of like, a laundry chute or like I was just talking about mechanical chase, you're going to need a lot of, uh, you know, time to figure out what that is, um, what area that's going to take up all that stuff. All right. I don't have a ton of time today. I'm sorry, everybody. I would love to chat for longer. So if you have any last minute questions, feel free to hit me up. Um, I'll close out here. Just say, uh, again, I'm Adam. I'm a home designer. I run my own design firm. Um, it is called Burnham Design Co. It's the same name as my TikTok handle. Um, if you're listening in the future, I do stream these from time to time. Um, I'm so, so awesome at keeping to a rigid schedule and getting these up every single week at the exact same time. So you're welcome for that. Um, no, this is, <laughs> that's a joke. This is like guerrilla podcasting. I go two, three weeks between episodes and just throw them up randomly. I, yeah, still haven't figured out how to get better at that and be more disciplined with it. But hey, I'm here. We're talking. Um, ooh, got a question here. What's the most challenging project you've done? Um, yeah, there's, there's two ends of challenging. One being like some of the most frustrating are the ones where you have the most clients. Um, so 
if I'm designing for say a couple um, and they're building in a community that has a review board, it's just so hard to get everybody on the same page. Um, just a lot of frustration in that because the review board is, you know, three to five humans that all have different opinions. The couple are two separate humans that have different opinions. So, you know, you've got five to seven people that you need to make happy. It just gets really, really hard. Um, and that, yeah, those, those projects can be a lot of work. Um, not to say it's impossible, but yeah, that's, it's just, it's just hard to please that many people if we're being real. Um, as far as like design layout and things like that, um, I really love the challenge of small footprint homes. So the people that come to me and are like, Hey, I want a 1200 square foot, you know, whatever. I'm like, yes, let's do it. Um, so some of those projects where you have to fit a ton in a tiny amount of space and you really have to be, um, you know, cognizant of every inch, um, and really, really get it dialed in. Um, those tend to be really, really fun and like challenging in a good way that excites my creativity. Um, so yeah, hope that answers your question. But as I was saying, wrapping up here, um, I stream on, um, Facebook, Twitch, LinkedIn, YouTube. So if you want to see the video of this, uh, it's posted in those places. Um, I also go live on TikTok. TikTok is probably honestly the best place to follow me. It's where I put the most content. Um, so if you want to follow and or interact, um, that's the place to do it. Other than that, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for the questions. And um, yeah, looking forward to talking in the future. Everybody have an awesome, awesome day.